Peace and love. This is Brother Fahim, and you are now tuned in to the Leave of Logic podcast. You know the vibes. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Wow. This is Brother Fahim, and uh, welcome back in. It's been a minute since I've been in it, but I'm always trying to win it. <laughs> Man, what a difference a day makes. There's been a lot going on. There's been a lot of rumblings in our society. Uh, specifically in Texas, Uvalde, man, I uh, life is always moving at the same whirlwind pace. I'm always trying to keep up so I can win the race. So it's always beautiful. It's always therapeutic when I can, you know, calm down and you know try to put my thoughts into an episode. Yeah, and. And man, it's been so much to think about out there, you guys. Wow, 19 children and two adults, two teachers, died trying to protect uh, the precious cargo of every family, the, the innocent children. And it's uh, it's disheartening. It's very, very disheartening. Whew. When things like this happen, it's uh, it's a watershed of emotion that people experience. But I can only imagine what those people what those families those parents are experiencing right now uh, and I just man I ask the creator I ask the universe I ask the ancestors to heal them and to give them strength through these troubled times and also uh, that the nation is healed and also that some sort of lesson and something can be learned from this yeah hopefully we can learn something after the healing is is done hopefully we will have we will have gained some knowledge wisdom and understanding but in the meantime and in between time i'm here to uh to try to offer a little bit of that knowledge wisdom and understanding i'm going to start off by reading a quote by one of my uh favorite people in history, Mr. Malcolm X. This quote, you can see this at the end of the movie, Do the Right Thing. If you've ever witnessed, uh, excuse me, if you've ever watched Do the Right Thing, at the very end, after Senator Jackson uh, makes his little speech, when the credits, before the, uh, the credit starts rolling, you see two quotes pop up. One is Martin Luther King and one is Malcolm X. And I thought that, um, the quote that was shown by Malcolm X is relevant to what I'm talking about today. And uh, it goes like this. I think there are plenty of good people in America, but there are also plenty of bad people in America. And the bad ones are the ones who seem to have all the power and be in these positions to block things that you and I need. Because this is the situation, you and I have to preserve the right to do what is necessary to bring an end to that situation. It doesn't mean that I advocate violence, but at the same time, I'm not against using violence and self-defense. I don't even call it violence when it's self-defense. I call it intelligence. Wow. Um, I saw something that was disheartening last week. I saw children i saw the news that reported that children had been shot and killed innocent babies 
and I have children. And so right away, I began to empathize and sympathize. And I began to say to myself, what if that were your babies? What would you have done? How would you have felt? Would you have been able to stay calm, cool, and collective? No, not at all. What would you have been thinking? And it just, it made me say, wow. The world is, is uh, the world is getting colder and colder every day. And I'm not talking weather. I'm talking mentalities. People are getting cold. But, um, it, um, it inspired me to, to want to speak about and bring you guys some knowledge, wisdom, understanding about what's been going on. And so I want to call this self-defense or intelligence. It's so much information out there, y'all. I'm merely reading what I have found on the internet. I mean, it's, it's all over the place, you guys. You can find it everywhere. Um, I was just looking, looking online, and I, I found something about the history of school shootings in the United States, and it dates back to the 1700s. The earliest school shooting in America was uh, in the 1700s. It was July 26, 1764. Uh, a school property on, with the Pontiac's Rebellion was a school massacre for Americans four American Indians entered a schoolhouse near present-day Green Castle, Pennsylvania, shot and killed schoolmaster Enoch Brown and killed nine or ten children. Only two survived. That was in the 1700s. And then it goes all the way up through in the 1800s. You had uh, New York City Public School, number 18, 13-year-old boy brought a pistol loaded in a cap with the nods of his parents, without the nods of his parents, shot and injured a fellow classmate. That was in the 1800s. It's a lot of them, so I'm not going to read them all. And then you get to the 20th century. In uh, September 14, 1934, Gill, Massachusetts headmaster Elliot Spear was murdered by a shotgun blast through the window of his study at Northfield Mount Hermon School. The crime was never solved. Um, 1940s, 1950s. So... In 1960, October 17, 1961, this is random. I'm just going down the list randomly. Denver, Colorado, mm, Tennyson Beard, 14, got into an argument with William Hatch, Hatchmeister, 15, at Moray Junior High School. During the argument, Beard pulled out a 38 caliber revolver and shot Hatchmeister, wounding him. A stray bullet also struck Deborah Faith Humphrey, 14, who died from her gunshot wound. In the 70s, February 22nd, 78, Lansing, Michigan. After being taunted for his beliefs, a 15-year-old self-proclaimed Nazi kills one student and wounds a second with a Luger pistol. In the 80s, at least 71 people, 65 students and 6 school employees had been killed with guns at school. 201 were severely wounded by gunfire. 242 individuals were held hostage at gunpoint. According to a 1987 survey conducted by the American School Health Association, 3% of the boys reported having carried a gun at, to school at least once during the school year. 1% 1, 1 reported carrying a handgun on a daily basis. 
late 80s began to see a major increase in school shootings. Well, we know in the late 80s what was going on, right? Politically, crack was flooding our communities. Gangs were at an apex, gang recruitment and membership. Uh, black fathers were removed from the home. So it all, it all makes sense when you look at it historically and from that context. None of this happens in a vacuum. So let's get on up to the 90s. According to the National School Safety Center, since the 1992-1993 U.S. school year, there has been a significant decline in school-associated violent deaths. Deaths on private or public property for kindergarten through grade 12 and result from schools, schools, functions, or activities. So in 92-93, uh, it was 44 homicides, 55 deaths resulting from school shootings in the U.S., 93 was 42 homicides, uh, 51 deaths, 94 was 17 homicides, 20 deaths, 95 it was 29 homicides, 35 deaths, 96, 23 homicides, 25 deaths, 97, 35 homicides, 40 deaths, 98, 25 homicides, 99, 2,025 homicides from school shootings in the U.S. According to the U.S. Department of Education, in the 1999 school year, 3,523 students, 57% high school, 33% junior high, 10% elementary were expelled for bringing a firearm to school. Wow. The late 90s started to see a major reduction in gun-related school violence, but was still played with multiple victim shooting, multiple victim shootings, including uh, Blackville, South Carolina, a suspended student shot two math teachers with a 32 caliber revolver. That was in 95. In 97, Stamps, Arkansas, two students wounded. Colt Todd, 14, was hiding in the woods when he shot the students as they stood in the parking lot. Uh, March 24th, 98, Jonesboro, four students and one teacher killed. Ten others wounded outside his west side middle school empty during a false fire alarm. Mitchell 13, Andrew Golden 11 shot at their classmates and teachers from the woods. Uh, May 20th, 1999, Congress, Georgia. Six students injured at Heritage High School by Thomas Solomon, 15, who was reportedly depressed after breaking up with his girlfriend. I wanted to, I, I want to go down the line and, and really talk about that because I think it's relevant. It's absolutely relevant. This is not a new phenomenon, ladies and gentlemen. This is not something that we have just started to see. This is just something that is now starting to get more and more exposure. Technology has become a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Depending on your perspective, it's a curse because certain things will never be able to happen again because of technology. There will never be massive bank robberies. There will never be uh, somewhat hiding in plain sight type crimes because there's a camera everywhere you look, right? So, um, yeah. But, wow, it, it's, 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 um, it's really shining a light on what's been going on. It's really opening people's eyes. It's really uh, uh, showing people that well, it showed me when I saw that, that wow, this is not something that has been going on. Now that the news, uh, now we can see things. Now people have 
the, the, the opportunity to view it right in their phones, right in their smartphones. You can see everything and then the news is reported. And we live in an age of information and most people are ignorant. <laughs> That's always funny to me. People are super educated, but have book knowledge and, and lack common sense. And the information is right there if you do the research, right? If you do the research, it's right there. I go back to what Denzel Washington said. If you if you don't watch the news, you're not informed. If you do watch the news, you're misinformed. So we really have to do research and look into these things. So, yeah, I saw the... the um, I looked at the history of the, of the school shootings and it made me, it just made me keep going deeper, right? Um, and I saw another article called States with the Most Shootings. Texas has seen the most school shootings since 2012, followed by California, Illinois, Florida, and Pennsylvania. And I'm looking at a list of, of schools of states, excuse me, states with the most school shootings. California ranks number one, 157 incidents. Texas is number two with 126. Illinois is three with 84. Florida is four with 74. Michigan is five with 66. Pennsylvania is seven with, with uh, excuse me, Ohio was six with 57. Pennsylvania was seven with 56. New York is 8 with 53, Maryland is 9 with 49, Tennessee is 10 with 45. It's a tie between 411 between Louisiana, Alabama, and Georgia with 39. <clears throat> um, and these are the incident rankings, right? And you got North Carolina, then you have Missouri, all of these states. Uh, with these mass uh, shooting records, you know it, it's it's uh it's eye opening. It's really eye opening. <laughs> I'm not sure how cognizant or how aware or how much you all think about things like this. I don't know if you don't have children. Surely you have relatives. You have a brother, a baby brother, a baby sister. You have a baby cousin, uh, a niece, a nephew a grandchild, a child lives across the street, a kid that lives next door, you know, a kid that you teach. Is any child that you felt a connection with, that you want to feel safe, that you understand deserves to be protected at all times? Um, if you have any of those that I mentioned, I know that this has been ground shaking and it's it's really pull the rug from up under you. And as you go into these different uh, stats and this different research, it becomes more and more disheartening and alarming. But so that was on uh, that article. You can get it on uh, a world report, US News. It came out, it was by Sharon Lurie. And that first article that I read was uh, K12academics.com, school shootings, history, school shootings in the United States. So the next thing that I looked at, and I'm just going down uh, before I before I give my, my perspective. By the way, let me pause for the calls real quick. Because I had a conversation with my brother the other day, and he was, uh, he was telling me how he liked 
it, because the show was really just my perspective. Or that's the way I understood. Uh, and it was a great conversation. Uh, and it made me say, you know what? I need to clarify when I go on my show so that people know this. For, for those of you, this might be your first time. For those of you, I should have said this at the beginning of the show, right at the top of the show. Leave with Life, the whole premise of the show is to teach people how to think critically and how to uh, come to a intelligent conclusion about all the information that, that you uh, receive and take in. I'm not telling you what to think, merely uh, suggesting how to think or teaching or demonstrating uh, proper critical thinking skills, right? And it's based on logic. I'm a person that's in programming, and so it's a double entendre. Logic is used to build things within languages, within computer languages. Logic is also the opposite of using emotions. So I needed to say that because my show is, while it does deal with logic, it also based, it also deals with empirical uh, objective fact. I like to bring you guys empirical uh, literature uh, and then we, we, we discuss it and break down uh, 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 how to come to an intelligent conclusion. So yeah, it's my perspective, absolutely, but it's based on objective empirical fact. It's not based on emotion. That's the, that's the premise. You know, anytime your emotions are high, your logic is low and vice versa. Anytime your logic is high, your emotion is low. So we have to learn how to navigate the world. We have to learn how to master ourselves, And the only way to do that is to lead with logic. So yeah, uh, that's just to clarify uh, the premise of the show and what my uh, object is, what my objective is, right? So next thing, where was I? So yeah, so the next thing I did was I looked at what happened. So this is on ABC News. What went wrong as police in Uvalde waited to breach the classroom? It's uh, articles out there. And this particular article you know it deals with what they did right um there were a bunch of missteps you know the government fired it says the government fired at the school multiple times before entering through a door left propped open by a teacher at 11:33 a.m that should be investigated right why was the door propped open walked into a classroom and began firing more than 100 rounds Minutes later, several Uvalde Police Department officers entered the building and were shot at from behind the closed classroom door. By 12.03 p.m., there were as many as 19 officers in the hallway. Uh, as officers were outside the door, the incident commander, the chief of Uvalde, Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Police, wrongly believed the incident had transitioned from an active shooting to a situation where the suspect had stopped firing, barricaded himself in the classroom, and no longer posed a risk to children <clears throat> quote he thought there were he thought there was time to retrieve the keys and wait for a tactical team with the equipment to go ahead and breach the door and take on the subject at that point that was the decision that was the thought process this was so i'm assuming this was uh it keeps on mentioning um uh, mcgraw and i believe mcgraw was the the gentleman i don't know if you guys have seen there's a a uh, press conference in Texas that they're having and uh, it's a gentleman and he's reading off you know the timeline of events he's reading off the statements uh, that were given you know by the police that were there he's reading off uh, 
the 911 calls and what was said. And he's the one who's saying this. But, you know, if you look, you'll also see where he said, you know, that in that press conference that I witnessed, that I watched, you know, they got kind of unruly. And uh, at one point he said, look, of course it wasn't the right decision. It was the wrong decision. So, um, yeah. <laughs> he said that, but it also listed on the article. It says uh, the Customs and Border Protection's tactical team arrived on scene at 12.15, but did not breach the classroom until 35 minutes later at 12.50, according to McGraw. Whew. Um, multiple calls came from inside the classroom, including from a teacher at 12.03 p.m., 12.10 p.m., 12.13 and 12.16, during which she said there were eight to nine students who were alive, according to McGraw. Several other calls were made at 12.19, 12.21, 12.36, 12.43 by students. The calls were blunt. In whispered tones, one said he shot the door and then, please send the police now. At 12.50, officers breached and locked doors using keys that were able to get from the janitor and shot and killed the gunman. McGraw admitted Friday that the decision to wait was wrong. So that's what they're saying on the news. Now, it's always good to get more than one source. If you've been to college, you know that you can never turn in a paper without getting more than, uh, that without using more than one uh, source to uh, construct your paper. There's a gentleman named Sean King that I follow, and you guys should follow as well. He's on Instagram, I believe he's on Facebook, but he's pretty much bringing news uh, that you can use, and he's bringing all dimensions of the news. Um, and I follow him, and he's he's spot on, and he's, you know, I'm reading his, I'm reading some of his, uh, his posts. It says, I'm told this morning at least two parents of children killed in Uvalde are considering having open casket funerals to show the world what happened to their babies who are now completely unrecognizable. That is a flashback to Mr. Emmett Till. Mamie decided to open that casket so that the world could see what Mississippi had done to our boy. Um, he posted something from a Jessica McMaster on, tw uh, I think on Twitter. And she put, it's worth repeating, and mom drove there, got handcuffed, got out of cuffs, hopped the fence, went inside the school, walked out with her two kids, all while 19 officers waited outside the classroom where the gunman was. Um, and Angeli Rose Gomez, a farm supervisor that drove 40 miles to the school, police then arrested her, put her in handcuffs when she demanded that they intervene and save the kids. She convinced someone to take the cuffs off. They ignored her, then ignored their warnings and barriers, marched into the school and got her two kids, all while police sat on their asses and did nothing. This is Mr. King talking. Um, student calls to 911 from a Mike Baker, 1203 whispered. She's in room 112, 1210, said multiple dead, 1213, called again, 1216, says eight to nine students alive, 1219, students called from room 111, 1221, three shots heard on call, 1236, another call, 1243, asked for police, 1247, asked for police. 
Texas police now admit that they had officers in the school from 11.35 a.m. until the shooter was killed at 12.50 and did virtually nothing that whole time. Even when they heard more shots, they refused to make a move. Even when kids called 911, they refused to move. Breaking, Texas authorities now claim that a commander who they refused to name gave police the unthinkable order to stand down and do nothing. They connect. That continued for nearly an hour while kids and teachers at Rob Elementary bled out and died in the room with an active shooter. Breaking moments ago in a press conference, police admitted three things. They made no attempt to breach the doors to the classroom. None. Unthinkable. Two kids in that classroom called 911 over and over again. Three police are claiming they didn't know kids were, live, were alive in the room. <sighs> um, I, I saw all of these, but the one, it was one that really, uh, really had me, you know, emotional. It, it was a little girl, uh, she, and the, 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 I forget what her name is. I, I watched the reporter talk about her cause you know, they interviewed her. She was a survivor, right? And um, she didn't want to be seen. You know, she kept a blanket around her as the reporter described. But the headline is she smeared blood on herself and played dead. 11 year old reveals chilling details of the massacre. Okay, so it says her name. Mia says she was scared the gunman would return to her classroom to kill her and feel the surviving friends. So she dipped her hands into the blood of a classmate who lay next to her already dead and then smeared the blood all over herself. To play dead. Mia said it felt like three hours that she lay there covered in her classmates' blood with friends. She told CNN she assumed at that point the police hadn't arrived on scene yet. She she said afterwards she overheard talk of police waiting outside the school. As she recounted this part of the story during the interview, she started crying, saying she didn't understand why they didn't come inside and rescue them. The last thing I saw was a videotape, a video, a phone recording of parents standing outside of Rob Elementary. And one man was slammed to the ground. Others were cursing as the fire was going off, as the bullets were going off, as he was slaughtering those babies in there. And I said to myself, wow. <laughs> that is heart breaking it's disheartening and then i caught a uh i mean because it's been all over the place right i caught a video of a it was governor abbott at a looked like what was in, he was in the auditorium and uh, a man i think the mayor of one of the places there walked up and they began to go back and forth and they were like man sit down you're trying to make this a political issue shut up you know how could you man show some respect and the man was simply saying, you know, obviously he was a Democrat and his push, his underlying push is to remove all firearms from the streets. But he made some valid points in that the police was incompetent and incredibly, incredibly uh, they were incredibly, incredibly wrong in their efforts they were wrong in their efforts and so 
I say that to say he came out and said that he was lied to. <laughs> Governor Abbott said he was lied to. The information that he first received is not the information that he had recently received and that the stories continue to change. So that that mayor, I forget his name, uh, he was justified and he was speaking the truth in what he was saying. Wow. Ooh, so that's a lot to take in. That is a lot to take in. And it's still going on as we speak. People are still finding out more and more. You know, they're getting recounts. I think I saw another little boy this morning who said he did the same thing. You know, he said he smeared himself with blood and played dead. You know, I think the, the young lady, Mia, that I spoke about earlier, when they asked her what was said inside the classroom, she described how they were in there watching Lilo and Stitch because it's the end of the year. And the teacher got a call that there was an active shooter. And so she ran to the door and he was standing right there. And, you know, he opened up the door. He shot the window. He shot the window out opened up the door and uh, and uh, he told she said he ba backed the teacher into a corner and told her good night and killed her right there in front of them kids wow wow whew yeah that's um that's something for children first of all for that woman to lose her life but next for children to witness something like that is despicable and horrible. It's horrible. But it does something, right? It brings about a lot of questions that we have to ask ourselves because this is a this is really a multi-layered issue when you think about it it's multi-layered so here goes some of those layers i want you, those layers i want y'all to consider <laughs> parents what are you willing to die for i'll say that again parents what are you willing to die for you know i was always taught that a man is a provider and a protector. He's he's both of those things, right? He provides love. He provides finances. He provides knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But he also protects. He protects by way of regulating his family's mind, making sure his family's trained, making sure his family is prepared for disaster. But in moments of disaster, how do we conduct ourselves, parents? What are we to do? And I'm asking that because as I sat back and watched, as I sat back and watched, I said, wow, hmm. So had that been my children at the school they attend, would I have sat back and allowed law enforcement to stand idle while my babies were in that dining Mm. Oh, yeah, and one thing I didn't mention was this. There was also a news report where one of the police admitted that one of the policemen 
uh, a police went in and, and grabbed their children and, and, and brought them out. And maybe, you know, um, maybe the police was that person that I that that, that lady, but it couldn't have been the lady because they handcuffed her. But there's a video out there of a police. You can look it up. It's on YouTube. There's a video of a uh, one of the police and a news reporter, and she's saying, "Hey, we have reports that one of the police uh, came and went into the school while the shooting was happening and grabbed the children and left." So I say that to say. The police were getting their children and getting them up out of there, but they were prohibiting the other parents from from grabbing their children. You know, I heard Minister Farrakhan say something that I totally agree with. He said, we don't give a damn about no law when you hurt something that we love. You know, all the mothers, all the fathers out there who might not be killers, who might not be violent people, I guarantee you when your child is being harmed or there's even the threat of harm, you will become a killer instantaneously. The minister said, here's a woman who fought a bear because the bear was going to snatch up her baby. Yeah, sitting idle while my children are being attacked. I couldn't do that. See, I would rather die actively engaged in protecting mine than to live sitting idle, leaving their fate and their destiny to the hands of someone else. And that's not, understand what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. I'm not this is not a knock to those parents those parents did what they were supposed to do actually they fought they protested they put their bodies in harm's way but they were stopped by police who barricaded against the parents instead of going in and stopping the man who was terrorizing their children That's disheartening. That is disheartening. Hmm. And you say to yourself, are the police really protecting and serving? Are they really? Now it becomes a political push because a lot of, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, right? Depending if you're conservative or liberal, you might say, well, I don't believe guns should even be on the street. You might say, I believe in my Second Amendment right. And I should be able to carry weapons. I say this. Do you think that just because you give up your guns, that there are not going to be people or criminals who are going to still have guns? You think they're not still going to have guns? My issue is this. There should be some kind of balance. Yes, certain guns should be off the street. I don't believe in declawing a cat and then putting the cat outside. In other words, let's not take guns away from the good people and leave them to the outside world, to the criminals, to the bad people. But at the same time, this is a deep issue. Why do civilians need uh, assault rifles and automatic weapons? Why do they need them? Why do they need AK-47s? You don't need that. That's not something that you need to protect your home and your family or even your community. 
So yeah, certain guns should be banned from civilian access. I was uh, talking to a friend and they were telling me that there is a, they have a mech a device that you can put something on, you can put something on semi-automatic guns and make it automatic. These things should be banned. If we're putting, if we're putting billions of dollars, if we're sending all this money to the Ukraine to help out, you mean to tell me you can't invest in our community and our safety and our and our infrastructure of of people? We can't we can't protect our precious cargo, which is children. Because as I read to you earlier, this is not something that's just a new phenomenon. This has been happening since the 1700s. This is almost as old as the country's birth and inception. You know, I heard somebody say, uh, I, well, I was talking to a buddy and uh, they were talking about defunding. You know, when they defunded the police, the first thing that they did was they removed the police from the schools, right? They removed them. You know, uh, that's not defunding the police. That's not the defund the police that people were wanting. <laughs> you know, Police presence is necessary. Let, let's let's put that out there. Nobody's saying the police is not necessary because they are. Now, these race soldiers that invade, that infiltrate the police departments. What is a race soldier? Dr. Claude Anderson and Brother Tariq Nasheed uh, teach us that a race soldier is not the same as a regular police. A race soldier comes from one of these white supremacists or one of these hate racist hate groups. With the in, they, they join the force with the intention to kill up whatever group, whether it's black, Hispanic, whoever. They have a, a, a death wish for these different groups. These are race soldiers, right? And they're different from police. But my point is this. When you're talking defunding the police, we're not talking about removing police presence. No, we're talking about when police commit an offense against a civilian or they have knowledge of offense against a civilian or they have uh, they participate in an offense against a civilian not only should they be fired but they should lose all their monetary gains that they have gained while being employed as a policeman that's what defunding the police is it's not making aspects the weaker or the, uh, uh, the already vulnerable more vulnerable in society why would you take officers out of these schools when you know that school shootings have been steady and constant since the 1700s and it's only getting worse right it's only getting worse i can remember i'm not gonna lie to y'all i remember when sandy hook happened and those 26 uh young people were killed and they didn't really have a major shift in how they protect school students I said to myself, yeah, we got some dark days ahead because those were primarily white kids that were that were killed. And they did hardly nothing. So what do you, what do I what am I to think that will be done for black children when they get killed? And by the way, the re, the uh, the SRO, the student resource officer, was not even uh at the school when this happened. That's another thing that I um read and also heard through the uh, the press conference 
the SRO was not even on campus. You know, I listened to a guy who was an FBI agent and he said, when there's at least one or two uh, officers on campus, you know, you don't see as many. You see certain things, but you don't see, it's nothing like how it's been. It's nothing like these major incidents. But as soon as the officers are removed, the children know that the school by and large is vulnerable. They're by and large vulnerable. So you can't take away our defense mechanism and then refuse to defend us and think that we're going to, we're going to uh, be okay with that. That's crazy. That's insane. That is insane. I also read where this is not the instance of uh, the Rob Elementary, but it's related. The Buffalo Massacre. The Buffalo Massacre. I read where a retired federal agent was probably supporting the white supremacist terror, terrorist in Buffalo. New details are emerging. This is on Sean King's page and he grabs all his stuff from different news outlets. New details are emerging that make it clear that the white supremacist terrorists in Buffalo who shot and killed 10 African-Americans had a small support group that included a retired federal agent from Texas. <laughs> Here's what I know. The only reason that man and the others aren't in some underground prison being tortured right now is because they are white men and because the victims were black. It is abundantly clear that all over this country, white supremacists are flourishing with little to no monitoring or interrupting from city, state, and federal governments. Now, that's not the same instance, but it's relative to what's going on because he said something that's super important. Flourishing with little to no monitoring or interrupting from city, state, and federal governments. How is it that these children, that's another thing. How is it that these people are putting on Facebook all of these messages and all of these plans that they have and y'all not following them? What the, what's up with that? You know, you getting rappers and dope boys locked up. You know, everybody in the black community, we can't say nothing online. Y'all on our neck. But this guy who was shooting Rob Elementary, that was something else. He went on Facebook. He went on, he went on social media and said, I'm gonna kill my grandma. Killed my grandma. I'm gonna shoot up an elementary school. He's telling you. He's detailing. Where are the FBI? Where's the CIA? Where are all these government organizations? What's going on, y'all? How is it that y'all can be on the black community's neck about? any and everything, any little infraction, but you can't foil a major terrorist that's getting ready to kill up innocent babies? <laughs> that's foolish. But again, going back to the question, parents, what are you willing to die for? What are you willing to do? Do you trust your school? What are your school security measures? How easy is it for you to access? When you do access your school, do they pat you down? Is there a metal detector? Can you just walk freely through the halls? Are the doors open? 
Are there holes in the security? See, these are all things that you should have been asking yourself, that we should have been asking ourselves as a culture, as a country, as a community. You know, I say it and I say it again. You know, adversity not as much builds character as much as it reveals it. This this demonstrates a few things. Number one, we cannot depend on police to protect our babies. Wow. Number two, these schools are vulnerable to attack. And number three, the police, <laughs> they are lying and distorting information. Wow. I was listening to Tariq Nasheed and he said something I thought was was on point. It was pretty poignant. He said, where's the Blue Lives Matter crowd now? Where y'all at now? Where's all this fuss? Where's all this rebuttal that y'all have? <sighs> Brothers and sisters, if you haven't already, I suggest these things. Number one, you have a discussion with your children about active shooting in their schools. If you're going to send them to public school, at least prepare them, at least train them. My brother was uh, telling me, my brother Easy was telling me about a backpack that's bulletproof. We're going to, we're investing. At this point, it's a necessity. Look up uh, bulletproof backpacks for children. Um, I think you can get them for like a hundred bucks. We're, we're investing. But going back to my point, you need to be having a discussion with your children about active shooter training, what to do, how to respond. Also, gun safety. If you haven't already, you need a gun license. You need to know how to operate and, uh, uh, and use a gun to protect yourself and your family. Because, you know, it's getting out of hand when, when, when elementary school kids are vulnerable and are liable to be shot down and killed. <laughs> and also, there needs, to be, there needs to be more communication between community and police. There has to be, because I tell you what. I don't know how, how, how much longer, and I'm not advocating anything against anybody. Let me make that clear. But I do not know how long communities are going to stand by and allow their children to be slaughtered and they sit back and do nothing. I don't. I do not. Again, I would rather die fighting with either the police or fighting with someone trying to kill mine than to be stopped. Because see, at some point, brothers and sisters, you know, there'll be a force that will say, and we've seen this, we've seen this with the Deacons of Defense, we've seen this with the Black Panthers, we've seen this with the Nation of Islam, we've seen this with NFAC quite recently. There will be an organization of people that will say, listen, we are prepared to die Either we are going to, either you are going to do your job, police force, or you're going to get out the way and we're going to do it for you. But somebody's going to bleed today 
either them, either whoever it is that's trying to kill our babies, or you that's trying to stop us from protecting our babies. It's senseless, y'all. It's senseless. And it's disheartening. I just hate it for those people, not just those people in Robb Elementary, those people in Buffalo, those people in South Carolina, those people at all those schools that I mentioned and all the other ones that I didn't mention. They put their faith in a system that failed them. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us to separate or suffer the consequences. And we are suffering the consequences, ladies and gentlemen. Homeschool is the best option, actually. You can control the curriculum. You can control the environment. You can control the hours. You have total autonomy with your children. But I understand many of us can't. We don't have that option. We have to send our schools out to, into the world. But I think we should really, really consider looking into what we can do at home. Because we've seen on too many occasions, and now this in Rob Elementary down in Texas, that not only are our children unsafe, but those who are supposed to be protecting them are unwilling or incapable to do it. And that is unacceptable, ladies and gentlemen. As always, man, I appreciate y'all coming by. I thank you. I thank you guys. Um, one more thing I want to say is follow my page on Instagram. It's called Lead With Logic. Lead With Logic. Follow it. It's on Instagram. Lead With Logic. You can go there. You can make comments. You can uh, questions, concerns, whatever you have. Questions, comments, concerns, whatever you have. Again, that's Instagram or IG. Lead With Logic. Follow. Tell a friend. Leave me some, some feedback. Let me know that you uh you enjoy this. You enjoy this uh this podcast and this information. Listen, um, I'm sending out positive vibes, I'm sending out healing energy to all those people who were affected, to all of us who witnessed what we did. And uh, as I always say, may we meet again in the light of understanding, y'all. Peace and love.